This week we are beginning a new series called Collide, as you saw in that video. And uh, it, the, it says prepare for impact. And that sounds like a kind of a scary thing. Um, but since what it's talking about is since the beginning, the Christian faith has been on a collision course with the culture around us. The values and priorities of the world don't line up with the values and priorities of our faith. The kingdom of humankind or mankind uh, is not the, seeking the same things as the kingdom of God. So we shouldn't be surprised when we experience conflict and tension because of our faith. Instead, we should see that that spiritual battle is actually confirmation that we're doing the right thing. So uh, as we get going here, I, I just want to tell you about something I watched on TV the other uh, day. I guess it was probably a couple months ago now on the National Geographic channel. It was a documentary about a couple guys who hiked through the Grand Canyon. And um, here's a picture of the Grand Canyon. And as you can see, it's vast, right? Well, uh, I used to think of the Grand Canyon was that one place that everybody goes to and looks down, that scenic overlook part, you know, where... Uh, that one guy was going to try and jump over it in a motorcycle. and a, Yeah, right. I mean, some crazy but guy. But really, the Grand Canyon is huge. If you've ever flown over it, you see that. Uh, it's 277 miles long if you try to hike it from beginning to end, which is quite a ways. And so these two guys decided they were going to do that. They were going to hike through the Grand Canyon and they thought, well, you know, it's kind of long to do it all in one go, so they split it up into four sections. And what happened was they would actually ended up doing different parts of it at different times of the year. You know, one was summer, one was kind of in the winter. And, and so um, it was really an interesting documentary. First, because you got to see the, that beautiful landscape, the beautiful uh, rocks and all the stuff and even with the snow on some of it, it was just really quite beautiful and then the second thing is there were times that I noticed as they were hiking through it was really dangerous okay like you know they're hiking along and it's really steep and like it, their feet would slip a little and it'd be a little difficult a little rough right there so have you ever been on a hike like that where you're walking along and, uh, you know, it gets a little gravelly or rough and so you kind of slip and you, it's kind of a rough patch you're going through? Uh, and so it, what happens then is as you're walking along, you don't know if, is my foot going to hit here and my ankle's going to roll? Or is it going to hit solid ground? And uh, any step could send you airborne, you know? It could be scary. Like in the winter here, too, in Minnesota, when it's the ice on top of the snow, that gets kind of scary, too. It's like you don't really know if you're going to have a solid foothold or not. And these types of perilous adventures that I've just been talking about are the same as if we're walking through life trying to depend on worldly wisdom. You'll never be quite sure if you're going to land on solid ground because the principles and values are constantly shifting in their culture, aren't they? I mean, you can see this from the time when I was little to now. Values and, and things have really, and principles have really changed. However, what we learn from Jesus Christ is to trust the eternally consistent teachings in the Bible. So if you have your Bible today, and uh, there's this verse we're going to start out with as kind of the theme of our, our topic today, and that's Colossians 2.8. It 
it, if you're in the orange Bible there in the row, it's on page 1106. 1106. But otherwise, if you have your own Bible, go to Colossians 2.8. And let's read these words that Paul wrote together. Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. <clears throat> that word about being captive, you know, being made captive in the original Greek there means to seduce, to carry off like a predator with its prey, to make victim by fraud. Paul's saying, see to it, no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Uh, he's warning us about the world's logic and values, and he calls us as believers to stand firm on a different set of values, those of Jesus Christ. But even when we choose to stand firm on the things of Christ, uh, we'll still daily be coming into contact with the values of this world, right? I mean, you can't help it. You, we live in the world. We're going to come in contact with different sets of values and principles. So here's the thing I ask you today. How do we know when something we hear is godly? What do you think? How do we know when what we're hearing is godly? When it's in alignment with the word of God. You know in your spirit. The Holy Spirit helps you know. Okay, that's, that's good. Okay, so here's the other question. How do we know when we're being led astray or worse, being held captive by worldly principles and teaching? Okay. Maybe you don't know because you wouldn't be led astray. Are there other ways where we can tell when someone's trying to do that? Uh, sometimes it seems like there's some kind of exchange almost too good to be true. Yeah, well, these are good thoughts, good thoughts. Thanks for sharing those. As we get started here, I'd like to have you think back to that illustration that I brought up about going through a rough patch, not having solid footing, and about the worldly principles and teachings. I mentioned that you're never quite sure if you're going to land on solid ground as the principles and values of the world are constantly shifting. Okay, so that's an important lesson for us to remember that the world's values are inconsistent, okay? They're inconsistent. So how do you and I stand firm? Well, today let's talk about that. The first thing about how to stand firm is to listen to and obey the teachings of Jesus. Listen to and obey the teachings of Jesus. The teachings of Jesus are God's word or the Bible, and they are truth. They are absolute. They do not change. God's truth doesn't like change from decade to decade. It's solid. It's been the same all along from, from the very beginning of our world. God's truth is the same. Here are some mottos that we're familiar with, though, that will help us illustrate this point about how things kind of shift and change in the world. 
And you hear these all the time. You probably hear them in commercials, see them in books or magazines, or maybe even conversations with coworkers or friends. Follow your heart. Do what makes you happy. Okay, so many of us grew up hearing that, right? Didn't you hear about follow your heart and do what makes you happy? Yeah. Or here's another thing. Do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Okay, so those mottos of the world that I just said, what is actually wrong with that thinking? Doesn't necessarily line up with the world. Word. God will ask us to do good things, and they might be uncomfortable. Yeah, perhaps. These principles sound good enough, though. I mean, a lot of us are sitting there thinking, yeah, that, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. Yeah, I should do what makes me happy. Why would I not do what makes me happy, right? Okay, but here's the problem with that. It's inconsistent, shaky, and it goes against what the teachings are of Jesus. The Bible says in, in Jeremiah 17:9, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. You can't cure it. Who can understand it? So this prophet was writing and saying, hey, your heart, you know, that thing that you're using to make decisions, it's actually kind of deceitful and beyond cure. And so if the world says follow your heart, but the Bible says the heart's wicked, deceitful, and confusing, and you can't understand it, there's a problem there. There's a conflict there. And what that means is that when we ourselves make decisions with our hearts that don't always make sense, right? Just because your heart says do it doesn't mean it's a good thing. Have you ever had a problem explaining why you did something that your heart said was good to do, only to find out later it was a bad choice? Yeah, Jesus says in Matthew 10:39, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. The world says that you need to make sure you're happy no matter what. But Jesus said you have to come to the point where you're actually willing to lose your life for him, yeah. like you were saying earlier. Uh, it might not be a, a fun thing, um, meaning, but what this means is that we'll trade all the stuff that supposedly makes us happy in our kingdom for the things that God has for us in his kingdom. And what is so amazing about that is we actually will find deep abiding joy. So what's the problem with making it our goal to be happy? What do you think? Anyone can answer this. We're out of focus. Happiness comes and goes. Yes, what's meaningful is the joy of the Lord. Yeah. Okay. Our hearts are inconsistent. We were saying earlier, our hearts are not consistent. They're always changing. We're falling in and out of love with any number of things. Happiness, therefore, is like an ever-moving target from one day to the next, and sometimes even within the same day. 
that happiness target will change. So just be honest with yourself for a minute and think about that. How can you build anything stable off of the principles of follow your heart and do what makes you happy? As you think about that question, we're going to go to Matthew 7, starting in verse 24. And in this passage, Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount. And here's what he says about building our lives. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Okay, did, did you see there that Jesus himself is commanding us to listen and obey his teaching and put them into practice? When we do, he says, we'll be standing on a firm foundation. Let me speak from personal experience here that when I say out of the many values the world will throw your way, none will allow you to stand firm when the going gets tough. They are shifting sands of inconsistency. So why are those mottos so attractive? You know, the, the things, why do they sound so appealing to follow our hearts, to seek what's happy? Well, just like that word captive, remember I said it, it meant also one of the things was seduced. In Colossians 2.8, worldly values are uh, seductive. They kind of draw us in, they pull us in. But if we're going to really stand firm, we have to listen to and obey the teachings of Jesus. And secondly, we need to have kingdom of God values, kingdom values. Another word for seductive could be enticing. And the fact that many things and words that the world tries to give us and tell us can look and sound very attractive to us, that's what makes it so difficult. The Bible talks about this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Paul knew many people would spend their entire lives searching for truth that lined up with their lifestyles. Think about that. They're looking for something that lines up with what they're doing. Okay. In addition, many people reject the truth in the Bible because it contradicts their lifestyle. They don't like that the Bible tells them it's not right to do what they're doing. They receive something meant to bring conviction to them and draw them to God, and they say instead that it's useless and ignore it. So what we need to do is be people who continuously fill our ears and our minds with the only truth we can find in this world, and that is in the pages of the Bible. So question for you again, group question. How do you do that? How do we fill our hearts and our minds with the Bible? Again, anyone can answer. 
reading it. Doing it. Memorizing it, yes. The Bible is full of practical life principles that enable us to have that abundant life that Jesus came to give us. That's why we pastors here at South Oaks Church have asked you to read through the Bible this year. It's never too late to start reading through. Maybe you said, you know what, I haven't started yet. Well, start now. Start now. And there's more of them in the back, in the back table out in the lobby there. Uh, you can grab one and start now, even if it's not, you know, on track with what, you know, January 1 to December 31. You can still take one and do it. You can start reading the Bible anytime. And if you don't want to read through the whole Bible, at least read it daily. That's the only way to fill your heart and your mind with God's word. In John 10.10, Jesus tells us, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The thief here he's talking about is the devil. And he wants to steal, kill, and destroy anything of God in your life. Uh, when he can't destroy it, he seeks to distract you and pull you off into other stuff. That's his plan to pull you away from the word of God, from the people of God, to isolate you and make you feel like, you know, that's not important. The devil will try to steal your time too. And he'll try to steal the things that you treasure, uh, that you value, and your attention. His goal is not good for you. That's why we have to stand firm on the Bible and on the Word of God. That's why we have to abide in Christ and have daily time in God's Word. Uh, think about how much time, there's a little exercise here, how much time you spend each day, think about it, this is not a group question, this is just personal thought here. How much time do you spend each day reading the Bible? Think about that, how, much, how many minutes or whatever, okay? Then think about how much time you spend at work, watching TV, shopping, reading social media each day. Think about that and compare it, okay? If we're going to be able to have the power and the wisdom of God in our lives, we must spend some time each day reading God's word. And if you're not reading it each day, you are coming to face that day unprepared. That's part of the wisdom and the strength that God has for us, that we can have that word that we read in the morning, and it can be in our minds and in our hearts, and during the day we can think back to it and it's called meditating on it. You, you think about what that word of God was and how it affects your life. There used to be a saying about computers back in the day when you, you know, now we just type on our, you know, computer and do all the stuff we want. But back a long time ago, you know, in the days of the dinosaurs, um, you used to have like a stack of cards. If you wanted to run a program, you had a stack of cards you would have to key in. They had what they called people who were key punchers or something like that. They'd key in the data into the computer. And um, then they would run the program and it would come out. Well, if you type something in wrong, then it wouldn't be something good coming out, right? And they had a saying back then, garbage in, garbage out. Well, that holds true for us today as well. What we put in our minds will determine what our lives are like, what our behavior is like. When you read the Bible, of the word of God each day, 
you're inputting that into your heart and your mind. And it becomes a guide. And it helps us to see the worldly values that don't line up with the principles of the kingdom of God. Because we want to pursue those principles that do align with the kingdom of God. Uh, we want to we want to actually read the Bible each day and think about what we're reading and let it really get into us. So we need to listen to and obey the teachings of Jesus to have kingdom values. And thirdly, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. It's not enough to simply say no to the things and the values of the world. We have to take it that step further that we talked about, and we have to say yes to the things of God. Jesus Christ gave us the Holy Spirit to be our guide and our strength as we follow him. John 14, 17 says, He is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus invites us to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. Once we begin to follow God's lead, we'll be able to experience the best life possible for us because we're following what he is showing us to do. We'll be constantly coming back to the only truth we're standing on and one that will never lead us astray. An example of how the Holy Spirit can lead us is when Pastor Steve and I were praying about starting South Oaks Church, I was an associate pastor at the church we were at. And we went to the church board and said, we're really feeling like God is putting on our heart to plant a church. And we're thinking, you know, this would be a good time. And the leadership in the district thought it would be good. But as we talked to the church and the church board, uh, leadership at the church, they said that right now was not a good time for the church, that they couldn't afford to help us financially. So we kept praying and reading the Bible and seeking God. And then during a time of prayer and fasting, we felt like the Holy Spirit led us to believe it's time. It's time to go. But I didn't want to go. I felt like God was speaking to me. <clears throat> I didn't want to go and uh, go off and start planting the church unless... Pastor Steve also agreed with me <clears throat> that he had a confirmation about the decision. And God also put it on his heart that it was time. And the Holy Spirit gave us a way to move forward, even with a limited budget and a small core group of people. And we never took out any loans because we really felt like the Holy Spirit said, no, don't go into debt. And I felt like I should not take a salary from the church, which is very different from other churches. We started the church plant, and uh, as we started, our advisors told us that, no, you need to take that loan. No, you need to take a salary. No, you guys need to do this. And we were like, no, God did not tell us to do that. God told us not to do that. And so um, in spite of you know, what uh, normal churches might do, normal church plants plants might do, we said, nope, we have to listen to God. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit and follow him. We had to block out all of that other static, so to speak, and listen to God, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, and we've never regretted it. When you follow Jesus and listen to what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, you have to commit to listening to him and not be distracted by the things of the world. Even when it sounds good, 
It takes devotion to God and a commitment to learn to walk in step with the Spirit as you follow the teachings of the Bible. Now, there's going to be temptations from time to time to stray, to get off the path, uh, to go adventuring through some rough patches, you know. But again, those temptations, those are temporary. And they're like the rewards that those temporary things promise, temporary. And so we need to instead come to God and ask him to get us through those times and give us that full abundant life that Jesus has for us found in the kingdom of God. And only the Holy Spirit has that way to lead and guide us along the way. So the philosophy of the world is trying to pull us into values that are inconsistent, seductive, and sometimes even destructive. But today, as we begin this new series, we all have the opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit of God to bring us into his truth, to guide us and lead us. The Bible is the best source of that truth. It's the only thing we can stand on and remain firm. The first step that we need to do today is just call out those things, uh, identify any false truths or principles that you might believe in. I gave a couple of examples earlier, but it's things like, like we said, follow your heart, do what makes you happy. You are an army of one, okay? You can be anything you set your mind to, okay? I'm just gonna say, no matter, that's just not necessarily right. Uh, no matter how much I might want to be, I cannot be the coach for the Minnesota Lynx women's basketball team. That's not in God's plan for me. So I just can't think I want to be something and it'll happen. The next step then, after we've gone through and identified those things, uh, is to admit how enticing and attractive some of those principles are and not pretend like they're not because they are. They sound great, some of them, but they're just not God's word. And uh, it doesn't do any good to think we can just avoid the false teaching just because we don't like it. It's still going to come at us and affect us. Finally, we have to trust the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us into the truth. Would you stand with me as we close? And I just have a question for you. If you just bow your heads, will you choose to make a commitment today and every day going forward to listen to and obey the teachings of Jesus, to have kingdom values, and to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. If you will choose to follow the leading and trust the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're going to make a commitment for that. Just raise your hand. Thank you. If, you're going to, if you will be willing to make a daily commitment to read the Bible and meditate on it each day, would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Lord God, we just thank you that we can make a decision to follow you, and it's a good one. Lord God, I pray that you would show us where we have bought the lie of the enemy, where he's stealing, killing, and destroying the things of God in our life. Lord, help us to see where the, the principles of your word are not lining up with the, the uh, principles of the world. Help us to be aware of when we're being led astray. Help us to see it because we've so in your word and we've so meditated on it that, Lord, we instantly recognize that's not God. 
That's not a principle of the kingdom of God. Help us, Lord, not to give in to any of the lies of the enemy here. Help us to follow your truth, the only truth that is a solid, firm ground for us. Help us to stand firm on the things of your word, our relationship with you. Help us to obey it. Help us, Lord, to have values that reflect what we read in your word. And help us, Lord, to rely on the Holy Spirit and to follow you each day. O oh God, eternal and ever-blessed, order what is disordered in our lives. Bring our minds to your truth, our conscience to your law, and our hearts to your love. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.